Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. I want to wish everyone a happy Memorials weekend. Uh, You know, usually at this time when we're together, we want to pause and remember all the freedoms we enjoy. They came at a price. And the courage that it took for people to give us the freedom we enjoy I hope we will take courage to move past the fear that we are confronted with kind of on a regular basis right now uh, with the news and all the things that are are being presented. Um, It's interesting because it's no longer, I feel like, being reported. I almost feel like things are being presented and we have to make choices on how we are going to take the information, process it, and move forward. Um, We do not know as of yet when we will be meeting. I know a lot of churches are meeting next Sunday, uh, but we have not received or don't feel that it is prudent yet to do so. And I think more, not because I don't think it's safe. I actually think it is safe, but I don't think that it is uh, perceived in a way that is healthy. And so we are going to wait. But I believe that we will be meeting probably in June. So uh, just to hold on to that and kind of lean forward into that. But we do want to be courageous in how we move forward, but we also want to be wise and courteous. And so that's something that we are kind of leaning towards. We want to wait until we feel that it is appropriate for us to do so so that people know we care more about them than we do about meeting. I think that's really uh, at the heart of what we are waiting for. I want to pray for Randy, uh, Vic. Uh, I know many of you get the email. Randy tore his bicep. I don't know if I think it was his left arm, but I'm not sure. But he had surgery, and he is going to be in a cast for six weeks. And so be praying for him. Uh, Just, you know, it's already a lot going on with the family, but now this is happening as well. So keep Randy in prayer uh, for the healing of his arm, for him to be able to regain function and strength and lead us in worship again when he gets back. But in the meantime, to rest and recuperate. And so that is all happening. And so let's pause and let's pray for Randy and just his family as well as our time this morning. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity we have to gather via the media that we are using 
on YouTube Live and pray, Lord, that even though we are not together, Lord, that our spirits would be joined in desiring your will to be accomplished in our lives through the things that we hear and talk about. And Lord, for when we do gather again for you to knit our hearts together with a common desire to do your will, Father. And may that be something that is evident and shows up in our lives and how we conduct ourselves, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, I talked about the ebb and flow of life and that it is good. The day, the night, the land, the sea, how God orchestrated creation and saw it as good and to try and free us from this paralyzation of the perfect, uh, of needing to know everything and not being able to understand that the goodness of God shows up in life in the highs and in the lows and that it is all good and that we can enjoy the fullness of God in the present wherever we are and with whatever is going on in our lives. But I wanted to really lean into hope and into strength that helps us through this time. And so I'm going to be talking about the Holy Spirit, how we can manage the ups and downs of life. If working, right, if laboring and serving and providing are good, because that was all a part of that first chapter in Genesis, just like eating and enjoying, then how do we preserve strength through all this? And in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I believe that help is found in God and in what God makes available to us, even as he made it available to us through creation. And so when we start talking about the Holy Spirit, I want us to be able to have something tangible to hold on to. And the idea of holding on to something tangible and spirit seem contrary, but I believe they're not as far apart as maybe we had thought. In Genesis 1, where we were last week, I want to go there again. In the very beginning, verse 1, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The idea of hovering is like brooding. It's almost like a vibration, and it's actually bringing life about. There's this great quote by Augustine of Hippo, which says, The Holy Spirit is a certain unutterable communion of the Father and the Son. He goes on and he says, He is the bond of love between them. This bond is a mystery, even as God is a mystery. And if God is that which is beyond our ability to conceive, how much more the Holy Spirit, right? This idea of the Spirit 
and the Spirit of God is something that we can lose our way in trying to understand and describe. But Genesis goes on and gives us some insights that I think are meaningful when we start talking about the Holy Spirit. Later on in verse 26 of chapter 1 of Genesis, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish in the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So we see the image of God, not only in the man, but also in the woman, but not also in the man and the woman, but also over them and in their union. In his image, he created them. And it's important to see that life is born out of a union of love. Throughout scripture, we see the spirit, an important part connected to life itself. In John chapter 6, Jesus says, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 8, If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. And so the connection of the spirit and life is important. To try and understand the Holy Spirit, we we start to use words like the person of the Holy Spirit. And we use that terminology so that we don't get lost in some ethereal void, right? That it's not just smoke, that it's not just energy, that when we're talking about the spirit, we're trying to connect it to God in a way that is purposeful in a way that is tangible to our understanding. And so we use the word person, but even that word person can restrict our understanding, can can guide us in a way that maybe also limits us. Because when I think of a person, I think of Alex, I think of Gil, I, I think of people, but the Holy Spirit is not just that. And so we have the idea of a person, but there's still so much more. And the idea of the Trinity has been described as kind of a divine dance, right? Where you have the Father and you have the Son and they are interacting, but there is the music that they are responding to. And if you want to try to get a glimpse of the Trinity in our heads, and really that's all we can do is get a glimpse. Again, we're we're talking about that which is beyond our ability to conceive. The whole purpose of Jesus was to reveal the Father. So if I want to know what God looks like, I look at Jesus. If I want to know what man is supposed to look like, I look at Jesus. And then we have the idea of the Holy Spirit Spirit 
and working in through this understanding to help us along. And, and so to get a little glimpse in our heads, picture a husband and a wife. Remember, he created the male and female. He created them, just like we saw in Genesis 1. And he says that God made this first couple, male and female, that he made them as a couple in his image. And this means that, yes, they are individually made in that image, but more specifically, their oneness is also part of the image of God. So you have the picture of a husband and a wife. And now picture them not just as this young couple, but as adults, as mature people who, who have grown together. Imagine them in the best possible relationship, the happiest day with each other, with the goodness of their character and their highest possible point. Karina and I celebrated our 36th year anniversary this past Monday. And Thinking back is like, oh my gosh, 36 years. I, I remember the days and it's gone by so quick, but we are so much different today than we were 36 years ago. And I'm so grateful for who we've become and that we've grown. So imagine the maturing that takes place over time with the couple as they get to really know each other, as they get to fully be with each other, to fully enjoy each other to the utmost, when the goodness of their character and their highest possible point, feeling totally in love with one another. And, and I know it's awkward, but it, it's married, so it's okay. Take this union and make it intimate and make it personal and then take away their bodies. Take away their genders, leave their spirits so that their beings can overlap, stretch out into this intimate, everlasting dance and connect their awareness and consciousness, which would mean that there would be an endless feedback loop. You know, a, a feedback is when sound goes out and then it's received and then it goes out again and it just keeps building, building, building. And we've all heard feedback, but imagine a feedback loop, not of sound, but of joy and of love and care. It would go from the father saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm pleased to the son saying, I only hear and do what the father tells me to do. And it goes on and on, this continual relationship that's looping over and over and over again and make the love between them so intensely personal that the love actually is a third person uniting them, celebrating them, and able to overflow from them. There you have something like the Trinity. The, this glimpse of how God, the Son, and the Spirit are all working together. That is like what our faith in God is, a God who is goodness and love beyond compare. That is who we come to, right? When we come to in prayer, that's our creator. He's not alone somewhere. He's not a, a watchmaker who, who turned the watch on and then let it go. He's not some puppeteer who's working behind the scenes to do just what he wants to do. 
He's not a judge who threatens you with his retributive justice. We're not talking about that kind of God. We're talking about this Trinity, the being who is a relationship of love, the one who is father, loving son, son, loving father, in the bond of love called the spirit that is one. The one who has never stopped loving you because his very nature is love, even as John tells us that God is love. He can't stop loving you. It's who he is. And the desire for relationship is a part of who he is. The one who wants to perfect you and love you until God's image is clearly seen in you. Yesterday I did, I think, I think it was yesterday, or maybe it was Friday. It was Friday, I think. I did a, a interview with Jillian uh, from Flipside Church, and she was asking, what things have you learned over the years that you wish you would have known back in the beginning? And one of those things was this idea of who God is. Right, the, the image of God and what he wants from us isn't to make us into some kind of robots that know all this information, but it is to pull his image out of us because we were created in that image. The one who can only be known by loving. You can't know God except by loving him. Information will not get you to know God. You can know about him, but you can't know him. I cannot know my wife just by knowing information, knowing her birth, knowing her favorite foods, her favorite colors. That, that might tell me a little bit about her, but to know her, I have to be in relationship with her. That's who we're talking about. And so... When we think of God, we have to have this all in mind, this relationship that is now reaching out to us. The one who made you through that relationship of love in himself. So what does the spirit desire? What does he or even she, right? If we're going to, I mean, we want to break the mold of understanding God in a, a limited way. What does the Holy Spirit want to do? And there is the desire to bring nourishment to us. In Ephesians chapter one, verse nine, Paul says, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things to him things in heaven and things on earth. I I want you to get a grasp of the relational aspect to unite all things to him, right? There is the desire to have this united force taking place with all of creation and the creator. That is what is happening here. And in him, verse 11, we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. 
In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So uniting all things to himself in heaven and on earth and sealing with the promised Holy Spirit. How does the Spirit do this? How does he work all these things? How is he uniting things to God and how does he seal us by the Spirit? And first, we see that the Spirit describes himself in ways that are nourishing. The Spirit is described as air. Back in Genesis we see that the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living creature. Jesus echoes this in John 20, and he says, the Lord, when he said this to them, breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. He is breathing this newness of life into his disciples. He is wanting them to be alive with the life that he has for them. And so this exchange of air is taking place. Now, I know that's kind of a, a strange thing, but even now in the condition with this COVID-19, what a, a great description this is, right? A virus that is spreading, Imagine if life that God gives would spread like a virus. It would be breathed into us. We would receive it. And from that breath, we would begin to show evidence that we are his. Jesus also used an illustration of water in John 7. Whoever believes in me, this scripture says, out of his spirit will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the spirit. Water that quenches, water that supplies what we need to live. The spirit of God is providing both air, both water, what we need to live. He's giving to us. Even that of food in Luke chapter 11, verse 11. What father among you, if the son asks for a fish, will instead give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If you then are evil and know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them who asks? Give the Holy Spirit. He's giving of himself those who would ask. Now, this exchange, this air, this water, this food, is an exchange of life itself, right? Physically speaking, our bodies are amazing. Every seven to 10 years, all the molecules in our body are replaced with new ones. And yet we still maintain the same shape, unless we maybe eat a lot of molecules, our shape grows, but we still know who we are, even though all the molecules in our body change over that period of time and and that means also if we stand close enough to each other we can not only catch a virus but we're able actually to breathe the molecules in that used to be someone else now some of you are freaking out some of you germaphobes are just like i'm getting your molecules all over me and not only over you but in you see, 
there's an exchange taking place even between us with one another where we are inhaling and exhaling a part of each other. And that is a picture that God is giving us of the Holy Spirit, of the air exchange, of the water that supplies our body, of the nourishment that is needed. So for the Spirit to describe himself as nourishment, he is saying that he becomes part of you. But that's not all. The Spirit is also acting to redeem us, refining us. Scripture uses examples of fire where, you know, metal is purified, melted down, scooped out the dross, and where all you have left is what is pure. The Spirit is also doing that in us, providing not only what we need to live, but purifying us, that that HEPA filter as well that's cleansing and restoring us. The Spirit, therefore, wants to be the one who is all and in all, as Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 23, and elsewhere. Jesus said that I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, but because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him, he dwells with you and will be in you. You see, there is the interaction that takes place when we come to relationship with God. When, when Jesus opens the door and it says, God loves you, cares for you, he is love and is wanting to interact with you. He's wanting to breathe life into you. He is wanting to quench your life's need. He's wanting to nourish the soul of who you are. He's wanting this interaction and he will actually be in you. We need both to be refined and to be nourished. And so God gives us this by his spirit. And really, all this means that we are human becomings, not just human beings. In other words, we aren't here static. We are becoming because we are changing, because the work of the Spirit is to do something in us that God is doing in the world. The whole idea of creation, ebb and flowing, the, the day, the night, the, the movement. Remember, it's dynamic, but we are supposed to be a dynamic part of that as well. And we're not just going through it. We're not being tossed to and fro. We are actually integral parts of what God is doing. We are participants in the creation of God. And it's supposed to be alive. And so we don't have to feel helpless We are being helped through it. And we may not understand it or sense it or feel it, but our very lives are a part of what God is doing through the spirit that he has given us. The name of Jesus is written on our hearts. Right? Paul sees that there is a connection between the deeds done in the body and the quality of our body in the eternal future. The name of Jesus written on our hearts will be manifested. The name of Jesus written on our foreheads we see in chapter 20 of Revelation, 
what is hidden will be revealed. And I wonder how many ways will that be true? How many ways will the Spirit of God be revealed within us by the things that we do? What the Spirit does outside God corresponds to who the Spirit is inside God and what the Spirit is drawing all into, into the loving personal union with God and to one another. The Spirit can be grieved. The Spirit can be resisted. Ephesians 4 tells us. But He is constantly at working to nourish, refine us, cooperatively, not coercively personally, not mechanically, unifying all creation in love to the Father through the Son. He is working with us lovingly, a union that is born through love. And it's something that we can yield ourselves to with confidence that he's begun something, he is working it and will perform it until it's completed in us. There are some people who think God just works mechanically upon the world as if the Spirit can just force things to happen, force people to do things. But that reasoning starts from the outside of God rather than the inside of God. In other words, it's not taking into consideration what we know about God through the person of Jesus and what we see revealed in him. The Spirit does not force the Father and the Son to love one another. The Spirit does not force people to love God. The Spirit woos us. The Spirit calls us, invites us to participate. So when the Spirit completes what nature could not and unites us with Jesus, he is doing that work that he has begun. For transformation to take place, there has to be a willingness to comply. There has to be a, a forgiveness, not just so that there won't be punishment, but so that there can be relationship. And we all know that who are in relationships. How many times have we had to set things right so that we can continue in that relationship? I've had to apologize for being a jerk, for acting a certain way, for responding a certain way, for resisting. And when we resist the love that God has for us, when we push him away, there has to be the opening up of our hearts to receive all that he has. This can happen with each other, and this can happen with God. Paul tells us in Romans, But a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the Spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. And so what Paul is saying, that the Jewish ritual of circumcision was always an outward pointer to the inward reality. Circumcision is that which is of the heart by the Spirit first in Jesus. That's what Paul tells us in Colossians 2 and then in Romans 2. Circumcision is the dominant image of salvation in the Old Testament because God is always wanting to cut away, in a sense, surgically, the corruption that is there within us. Why? Because he wants to be that much closer to us. And for that to happen, there is the constant changing. There is 
those molecules having to be removed so that new ones can come in. There is that desire for the old self and who we were to become who God wants us to be in order that our body of sin might be done away with. Paul tells us in Romans 6. As well as in Romans 8, Paul says that Jesus was able to do what Israel could not. He was able to respond to the law of God and actually obey it. For the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, or Israel, which is what he's referring to, in his moment of decisions, God was able to do through Christ. He was able to condemn those things by Jesus choosing to reject it every moment of his life and choosing the Father instead, he became obedient even unto death. And by that way, God surgically was able to use the death of Christ to surgically remove the death that is in us. Now, I didn't want to get bogged down in theological discourse. I I wanted to empower us to see that there is something that God is doing all the time, all around us, that even as we are breathing, God is working. And all that it really takes for us to be a part of the work of God is to breathe in the work that God is doing and respond to it. That Everything that needs to be done so that we can have relationship with God has been done through Christ. And so we are as close to God as we want to be. And we can be closer to God than we ever imagined we could be because he is working in us continually, rejuvenating us renewing our minds in the way we think, helping us to discern how to live in the circumstances we find ourselves in, in the ups and downs of life. We are not alone. We are surrounded. We are encompassed by the very Spirit of God who is the interaction of love between God and the Father and is now pulling us in to this divine dance to be participants with And it's an amazing thing. What the Holy Spirit does is always related to what Jesus did, right? In that first emphasis, Jesus does save us to be a part of what God is doing. He has overcome our alienation from God in himself by the Spirit, and he has now brought us to be at peace with the Father, Jesus does give us deliverance from this world, not by keeping us from the difficulties, but by keeping us through the difficulties, by holding us in the midst of the struggle. The struggles don't define us. The image of God does. And so Jesus could say, in the world, you will have trouble, but take courage. I have overcome the world. Why does that bring me courage that he has overcome the world? Because I am with him. I am a part of him through the spirit who is working in us to help us bear that image of Christ. 
I am not separated from God. I am united to God by that very same spirit. And so Jesus would say in John 17 that they may be one even as we are one. That should put a chill through us that we can be one even as God and Jesus are one. How? It's happening by the Holy Spirit. Jesus heals our vulnerability to human corruption by the Spirit. We're not immune to it, but we are being healed from it. The Spirit of God extends the Son of God, into our human nature and offers us his healed human nature so we are again humans becoming and not just humans being. In this way, with all our willing participation in this amazing relationship, in this divine dance, the Spirit will complete what nature couldn't. The Spirit will complete in us what God began. The Spirit of God will do the work of God in us because we are in relationship with Him. And we take hope not because problems won't come. We take hope and courage because we are with him. And if God did not spare his son, how much more will he give us the things that we need to live this life? If God was willing to reach through this length, how much more is he willing to go for you and for me and to take us to where we need to be. And so let's not look at the obstacles that are before us, not look at the things that would fear us. Let's look at the God who is with us and let's take courage and strength from him, from his example. And let's allow the life that he is breathing into us come into us, do what it's supposed to, and then let's give that life, exhale it to the world around us so that they can see clearly we were with Jesus because of how we live, because of the hope we have, no matter the circumstances we are in, we hold on to a faith that is living, that is in relationship with us and with all the world around us. May that bring courage and strength to our lives. Let's pray. Lord God, help us to understand how close you are. Father, may the idea of Holy Spirit not be lost or trivialized, but may it be recognized and may your work through the Spirit take shape in us. May the life that you have to give 
be inhaled and exhaled. And may restoration take place in our souls and in our lives as we draw close to you. We thank you for your promise, this seal, that we are yours because we've been given your spirit. Thank you, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.